Well, good morning. I am glad you are here. We're beginning to come back to the house, and that's a good thing. Those of you that are watching at home, we want to welcome you. It's about 50% of our church, uh, or this, the seats are about 50%, a little better than 50% full, I think. Uh, we still have seats, and uh, just, just so you know, um, we have an overflow area set up over here in the Unity Hall so that if it got too crowded over here, we can still social distance and do the same thing over there because we're linked in so you can watch it on the screen. Okay, so um, we're talking, we're in, we're in this series where we're talking about keys of the kingdom. What's a, what's a key to the kingdom? It's, a key is something that you can put in a lock and turn it and it will unlock it. There are keys of the kingdom. Jesus told Peter when he made his confession of Christ that he was going that he was going to give him keys of the kingdom. And we believe that those keys are still av- available for us. A key is is something you can do that actually opens up the mysteries of the kingdom. You it's how do I say it? It's not hocus-pocus. It's not spooky stuff. You can actually do something that unlocks the kingdom of, of God, it allows the Holy Spirit to go to work in your life and the lives of people around us. So that's why it's important we look at these keys of the kingdom. Now, the one I want to look at today is grace. Grace is a key to the kingdom. If you will exercise grace, you'll see God do amazing things. If you don't exercise grace, you won't see God do amazing things. So this key is important to us. Uh, The key scripture I'm going to use here is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, where the Hebrew writer is giving instruction to, to spiritual people. And he says, see to it. In other words... You have some responsibility here. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What's a bitter root? A root is is something that goes down into the soil and anchors it there. A bitter root is when someone goes through bitter experiences and they let it take root. And that bitterness becomes a part of their soul. It affects everything they do. Don't let this bitter root. So we need to be people of grace. So what's grace look like? That's important. That's what I want to talk about here. What, what does it look like? What does it look like to be a grace giver? We know what it is to be a grace recipient because God has given us his favor. He, is, he loves us. He opens up doors for us. He guides us. God is a good God, isn't he? Is he good to you? Say amen if he's good to you. It's okay to speak that out. He's a good God. He wants to do good things to us. But the Spirit of God who does those good things lives inside of me and lives inside of you. So we should be grace givers. If we're not grace givers, we're not really a part of the flow of the grace that God wants to function in this world because we are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. So let me just uh, regress here for just a minute and lay a little bit of a foundation. Uh, There was a time when there was only one church, a universal church, which is what the word Catholic means, universal. It's all one big church. And the Catholic church had this idea of grace, 
that when Christ went to the cross, when he shed his blood, when he died, he paid the price for everybody's sin. For whatever offense you have ever done, he paid for that completely, in the full. And it was like he dumped this grace. This is the way the Catholic Church taught it. There was a big vat, a big pot, and his grace was poured into it. And whenever we needed grace, we could go to the representative of God, the priest, and confess. And the priest would give us penance. And if we would go and do that penance, then we could pull grace out of the big vat. Now, there's a whole lot of truth in that. But anytime you don't have somebody saying, well, that's not entirely true, it tends, you, you tend to go way off in left field with it. Us Protestants, we do the same thing. You know, you take a truth and nobody says, but it, it means this, but it doesn't mean that. We find ourselves way out in left field. And so the Catholic Church got to the place where they would sell indulgences. And indulgence was a written, get-out-of-jail-free card that would allow somebody to sin. But you had to do something good for it. You had, you see, the, the good you do outweighs the bad, balances it out. So you had to do something good. So there was this leader named Johann Tetzel who went around through Germany in, in that, that area selling indulgences. And the good thing you would do to get the indulgence is make a donation to the building committee to make a building plan. They were building St. Peter's Basilica, and they needed lots of money to build that. So he was traveling around from village to village, town to town, selling indulgences that would allow people to indulge in some sin. So one of Martin Luther's guys got wind of that, and he went to a town where they were, sell where they were selling these indulgences, and he bought one, made a donation to St. Peter's Basilica, and... Uh, and then when Johann Tetzel left town and was going to the next town, he met him out on a road and beat the tar out of him. I mean, like really whipped him bad. Well, he, he got on down to the next town. And he reported it to the sheriff. And the sheriff went after him and arrested him and brought him before the judge. And he admitted that's what he did. So there was a penalty. And when they gave him the penalty... He reached in his pocket and he pulled out that indulgence and he presented it to him. That, that story was told again and again and again because it illustrates how ridiculous selling of an indulgence is. So the Protestants took a whole different flavor of grace that you have some responsibility actually the Puritans were the ones who really emphasized, you have some responsibility for this grace. You have, some, you have something to do with this. And they went clear over to the other side that you almost had to earn your righteousness. Now, whenever the church of Jesus Christ has two extremes, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And the truth is, grace is free. It has been paid for. But you do have some responsibility. So the responsibility we have in the church of Jesus Christ today is to be exporters of that grace. 
Otherwise, people won't see it. They won't feel it. They won't experience it. So in the time I have left, and I've got to go pretty quick, I want to share 10 explanations of grace or 10 ways to show grace, 10 attitudes you have to have if we're going to be grace givers and see this key to the kingdom unlocked. Here's, here's number one. If you want to write these down, you can. Treat everyone the same. That's grace. You treat everybody the same. Everybody has the same chance. The color of their skin has nothing to do with it. Their background has nothing to do with it. What they, the kind of home they were raised in has nothing to do with it. Everybody gets the same chance. If you will get that attitude and get, get uh, these uh, prejudiced ideas out of our mind. You know what prejudice means, don't you? Prejudge. That's what it means, to judge someone before the fact. I've been prejudged before. People assumed I was a certain way based on something that wasn't totally accurate. Chances are you have too. If we're going to be grace givers, we can't be prejudging because God is going to bring people into our life he wants us to invest in. That's the grace giving thing. And if we prejudge people and because they... Uh, they came from this background or because they have that in their past that God can't do a work in their life. Can't God do a work in your life? Come on. If God can do a work in your life, he can do a work in anybody's life. We just have to give him a chance to do that. So let's be grace givers and give people a chance and don't be a respecter of persons. I've learned don't even evaluate somebody based on the way they dress or the kind of car they drive or the way they cut their hair or the way they decorate their body. I tend to do that. It's the natural default position to evaluate everybody else based on my standards. But I remember a time when I was this weird hippie. Long hair, barefooted, crazy looking guy, wore clothes that weren't in style, I thought uh, I, they were style for me, but not for anybody else. And I know people were judging me for that. I know that now. So I've learned I need to stop doing that. The very same thing I didn't want them doing to me, I need to stop doing it to other people. Because you don't know what's going on in a person's heart. On. Only God knows. Yes. Here's number two. Keep the past in the past. We've all made mistakes, haven't we? We've all done dumb things we'd like to take back and wish we hadn't done it. But you can't take back what you've already done. But you can change your future. You don't have to let your past be your future. You don't have to get locked into this forever. So if that's true for you, it should be true for anybody else. Don't hold people to the past. God's got, which takes us, uh, well, let me read this scripture before we go on. Remember what Jesus did when those people rejected him? They beat him up, they whipped him, they stripped him naked, they nailed him to a cross and they hoisted it up there, and then they stood back and mocked him, waiting until he would finally die. Remember what Jesus said to them? He looked down and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now that takes a lot of humility and a lot of forgiveness to 
to ask Father God to forgive them right after they did this hurtful thing. So don't go through life not seeing something better. Which, so keep the past in the past. And that really leads us to the next thing I want us to see. Number three, hope for a better future. Grace always hopes. It always sees the possibilities. When you're dealing with people on the job, in, the, in your neighborhood, it, family members that aren't like you, when you're dealing with people like this, hope for a better future. Talk to people expecting God to do something good in their life. That's what walking by faith is. See the best in people and see what isn't there yet. See what can be and be a part of helping it be better in their life. We are ambassadors for Christ. You know what that means? We're salespeople. We're, we're in the sales business. And we're selling Jesus. We're selling hope. We're selling a better life to people. We're always giving positive, constructive criticism to help somebody become better. Hope for a better future. We are ambassadors. An ambassador has authority. And an ambassador has permission from a higher up to act on that person's behalf. And I'm an ambassador for Christ. I have authority. So when we're dealing with people, we need to ask ourselves... How can I help this prodigal son come back home again? How can I help this prodigal daughter get her life back together again? How can I help these people become better? I am so eternally grateful that there were people that invested in my life. And Steve Hauser over here is one of them. When I was lost and I was blind and I was destroying everything around me, and Steve and some others invested in my life. They saw something that wasn't there. They saw something that could be. And you and I need to put those glasses on. We need to see people for what they can be. We need to see the potential that God can bring something good in this person's life. That's an attitude of grace we need to have if we're going to see the kingdom of God released in our lives. Here's number four. Do to others what you want them to do to you. My mom used to say that all the time, and I, I thought it was bad advice. I thought, you do to them what they deserve. According to my standard, that's what I thought. But my mom has given me good counsel, and I'm, I, I'm, now I'm passing that counsel on. I'm a, preaching it to myself this morning. Treat other people just like you want them to treat you. If you want them to insult you, then insult them. But if you want them to not insult you, then don't be insulting them. And that works on Facebook, too. You know, don't, don't be trying to get in a, a sparring match with somebody. You're never, once they've made a post on Facebook, you are not going to change their mind. They've just, they've just advertised to everybody where their mindset is. You're not going to change them. Where am I at? Oh, number four. Do to others the way you want them to do to you. I, I read the story about Billy Graham. He was, uh, he, had, he was driving down in the south, and he was going through a small town in the south, 
and the local sheriff pulled him over for speeding. And the sheriff told him how fast he was going and what the posted speed limit was. And Billy Graham said, yeah, I'm guilty. I'll pay the fine. And he says, well, you don't pay me. You got to go before the judge. And they set, set up an appointment where the judge was going to be meeting. And he had to come back to that town. And the judge recognized the name and knew Billy Graham. And so he asked him, how do you, how do you plead? And Billy Graham said, I'm guilty, Your Honor. And the judge says, well, I'm going to charge you $1 for every <clears throat> mile per hour over the speed limit. You were 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. I'm going to charge you 10 bucks. But because I like you, I'm going to pay the 10 bucks. He reached in his wallet, pulled out $10, gave it to whoever you pay in the court, and then the judge took him out for lunch. And Billy Graham told that story, and he said, that is what grace is. That is what grace is. He paid the debt for me and then invites me to come to the banquet table. Amen. So do to others what you want them to do to you. Here's number five. Forgive offenses. You can't get through life on planet earth and not have somebody offend you. But you need to forgive those offenses. And um, I put the wrong... They have the wrong scripture back there, so I've got to read the right scripture. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. This, this is instruction to you and I. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm so thankful that God didn't wait until I cleaned my life up to forgive me. He didn't wait until I repented to forgive me. He forgave me, and that's what made me want to repent. Yes. Thank God for the forgiveness. Yes. Something else I want to say, but I got to look at my notes because I can't remember. Oh, yeah, if you don't forgive, it's like a cancer inside of you. It festers, it festers, it just grows, it spreads, it just... Yes. It just takes control little by little by little if you don't forgive. And the next thing you know, there is a bitter root anchored firm. And you can't sleep at night. You can't, you can't hope. You can't pray for that person. You have no hope for them because you're just angry. Bitter root. I've learned that the best thing to do in cases like that, and I've had that happen many times where people have offended me, where I just have to say, God, I'm your servant. I'm doing whatever you want me to do, and they just rejected you. So, God, I'm going to give it to you. And he will clean their clock. He will straighten them up. As long as I keep fighting back, I just get angrier. If I give it to God, it takes all that hostility away. Forgive offenses. And the power of God can work through you. What, I, want you I want us to watch this video. So I grew up in a home where my dad wasn't really attentive. He seemed to be more interested in my sister who was into sports. And so I just kind of got left by the wayside. I viewed God as I viewed my father with his back turned to me, busy with somebody else, not concerned about me. And so when I would reach out to him, I just felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling and I wasn't making any headway. I felt like God just didn't care. 
I fell for the first guy that came around. I ended up getting pregnant at 15, and through a series of bad relationships, I just fell for the wrong type of guy, and now I'm a single mother of five children. I ended up being lonely a lot of the times, even when surrounded by the children, and, and saw places where I was getting angry, and most of my anger was at the kids, and I was throwing things at them and yelling at them. And I had heard about Celebrate Recovery, that's when I decided maybe I needed to come check out what was wrong with my anger. Grace was hard for me because I didn't really understand it. Felt like God was mad at me and he didn't want to have anything to do with me because of my guilt and my sin and that I was unreachable. When I accepted God's grace, it was when my sponsor sat down with me and looked over the lesson of grace with me. I just felt through her and her acceptance God's grace. God's grace changed my view in a lot of different ways. It changed my view of my children, and I was able to extend more grace to them. I realize now that God does not base His love for me on my circumstances and the things that I have done in my life. I definitely feel more valuable and precious to the Lord and am actually worth something. Like I, I've made, I can make a difference now with my life and the things that I've been through. See, until you, until you get this grace thing down inside of yourself, you can't pass it on to anybody else. You, you have to be a recipient of grace so that you can become then a channel of grace. And that grace of God can work out through you. So forgive offenses. Here's number six. Humble yourself. I spent some time last week talking about humility. We need to humble ourselves. James chapter 4, verse 6 I think we have that scripture, don't we? James 4, 6. Yeah. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I'm reminded we, years ago we had this, uh, <clears throat> when we were in the little building down there and we were growing and uh, great things were happening, had this man and wife come to our church. And I was I was all excited that they came because he was an engineer and she was a school teacher and they were active in the community and they were just the kind of people you want being a part of your church. And, and he came and uh, we, were, we were excited to have them be a part. And uh, after he'd been there uh, maybe a couple months, he came to me and he told me that they had decided that this wasn't the church for them because they wanted to go to a church where there were people like them. And they noticed that there were people in our church that were less than them. Uh, they were undesirables. He didn't use that word, but I, I knew what he was saying. They were undesirables in our church. And I decided right then and there, I really don't want you here. You're not going to help us do what God's called us to do. I really don't want you here. So I blessed him, and they went on to another church in Auburn, and that was a church plant, and they helped it grow and uh, did great things for God over there. Don't see people around you as undesirables. Humble yourself. I've learned that I can't really do much for people that are above me. I can make a great investment in people who are coming along that aren't yet where I am. I can really invest in those people. I can make a big difference in the kingdom. But if, if I only go to church because there are people that make me feel good about myself, that maybe have an opportunity for me to go up the social ladder in advance, 
I'm backwards. I'm backwards. Jesus came to this earth for the ones that are hurting, right? It's not the well people that need the physician. It's the sick people, Jesus said. And he was always seeking out people that needed a hand along the way. Here's number seven. I got to hurry. Number seven, be led by the Spirit, not the media. Stop and think about this. Stop and think about this. If you watch the news on CNN, they're going to give you the news. They're going to give you the truth, but they're going to run it through their filter. And they're not going to tell you certain things in the news because that's not really what they want to communicate to you. They're, they're going to give you the things they want to communicate with you through their filter. If you watch all your news on Fox News, they have a different filter. And everything they report on, some things they leave out or they don't give you all of it, but they emphasize over here. You see, all the news media has a leaning. It's either leaning this way or it's leaning that way. I haven't found one yet that tried to be balanced. They all try to give you the news from their perspective. They're trying to divide us. They're not, they're not saying they want to divide us, but they want to lead half of us over here and another half of us over there. I think it's a conspiracy that's in the spiritual realm. And it's the spiritual forces that are trying to divide us. So we got to be led by the Spirit, yes. not the media, yes. because God always brings us together. Amen. Who the next president should be is never going to bring us together. But what should we be doing in the meantime, no matter who is president, that should bring us together. How do we lift up God not how do we solve political problems. That's what the church is about. Yeah. Number seven, let, be led by the Spirit. Here's number eight. Be courageous. To go against the flow takes courage. I've tried a little bit of an experiment with, with some of my Facebook friends. When they, they put something up there that I disagree with. I, it's, it's not that it's not true. It's that it's... It's skewed. I've, I've learned that if I make a response to them, they do one of two things. Either they get real mad and come back at me, or they get real soft and try to apologize because they just offended the reverend. They don't want to do that. Be courageous. Stand your ground. Don't go with the flow. Don't go with what everybody else says. Does, you decide in your own mind, what's the Spirit of God saying? What should we do in this, in, in this time and follow through with it? Number nine, be transformational. God transforms people. He transformed you, didn't he? He's going to transform other people. Believe that God can transform people and be a part of the transformation. In other words, sometimes we need to ask people to change. Sometimes we need to ask people to do something different. So we ask the question, how can we turn this defeat into a victory? How can we do this? How can I be the good Samaritan in this situation? You know the good Samaritan who gets down off the road into the ditch and helps somebody back on their feet? That's how, that's how we're a grace giver, to be a grace giver. 
So we need to ask ourselves those questions and think transformational. Here's my last one, number 10. Tell your own grace story. The, the church for so long was taught that we are good people. And because we're good people, we don't dare talk about the bad in our past. We, we can't do that. And so we've exalted ourselves up on this high pedestal, and people who really need help don't think we'll understand their problem. One of the best things to do is just own up to it and say, I once was blind, but now I see. I once felt the same way, and then the Lord taught me. You see, you're, you're leading people. You identify with people's lostness, and then you bring them out of their lostness. Instead of just polishing our halo and looking like we're real spiritual. We ought to be real so that we can help other people. God stepped aside from all the glory he had in heaven and came down to this earth to identify with us. Some of us need to do the same thing. Step down from our pride, humble ourselves, tell somebody the true story. You know, I, I, I know you're ashamed of what you're going through because there was a time when I was ashamed. I went through the same thing. I had the same struggles. If you tell people that, now you've made a connection. So tell your story. Tell your story. Your story of grace. This is good news. The grace message never, never wore out. The vat is still full of God's amazing grace. And he wants to do amazing things in our life. He wants to do amazing things in other people's lives through us. Through us. God is so good. We're going to sing another song about amazing grace. But before we do that, I want you to think about God's amazing grace in your life. Is it real? Is it working? If it works for you, export it. Give it away. It'll work the same for somebody else. Be a man or woman of faith. We're going to expect God to do amazing things in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amazing grace. Let's stand together.